Welcome to the Elevate Life podcast channel. We hope this sermon encourages and inspires you so you can go and grow to your next level. For more information about our church, please visit our website, elevate.life. Enjoy the message. Father, thank you for every person that's here. Thank you that every person that's here is precious to you. And God, I pray today as we open up our minds, as we open up our hearts, God, that you would speak to us. Just ask him right now. Just say, Lord, speak to me today. God, you know every need. You know every desire. You know every dream. You know every struggle. You know every situation, every circumstance that we face. And God, I thank you that your word says, cast your care on me because I care for you. So everybody look up here at me. Do like this. And I want you to go. Cast it on God. Amen, whatever it is. God, I'm throwing it to you. I'm throwing it to you. I got my Superman watch on today. Just reminding myself that God's adding his super to my natural in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, you know, Jeremiah, our drum player, has been with us for his whole life. Our drummer, drum player, the old drum player. He's the drum player back there. But I don't know if he can even hear me, but it's his 21st birthday. And would y'all just, 21, 21. So I love you, Jeremiah. Sometimes the worship team goes off and smokes a cigarette. They do whatever they do back there. And sometimes they're watching, so maybe they, anyway. Hey, look at somebody and say, I'm so glad you're here. And tell them that. Say, I'm so glad you're here. You may be seated. So, uh, so today, the, the, um, our crew team, the people that always serve us in the back that you never see, they said, would you like a podium or would you like a table and a chair? And I said, you know what, I'll take a table and a chair. And little Pastor Precious says, like, how long are you going to do that? Like, how long are you going to have a table and a chair? When are you going to just preach? And I said, today I'm just going to... Yeah, you know, so I said, just bring me a table because we're just going to talk a little bit today, if that's all right with everybody. Old church song. Y'all ready to hear God talk to you today? Come on, y'all ready? So that's old church song. Okay, you can turn it off. I did keep uh, the amazing Arthur out here, though. Go ahead. Go ahead. Just for a second. Just for a second. Y'all sing it. Come on. I know y'all know it. Can we just talk? It's an old church song. Can we just talk? Talk, what talk about when so anyway, we're gonna have a talk today. All right, thank y'all for giving me a moment. But uh, anyway, old church song. I love y'all. Even if I don't know you by your name, God knows you by your name, and I'm so glad you're here. So glad you're watching on the World Wide Web. Is that what it's called, Josh? 
www, doesn't that mean World Wide Web? The internet, YouTube, Facebook, wherever you're watching. So thank you so much. Well, we're in a series called Unstoppable, and I just want to remind you of something today. Genesis 1, going all the way back to the beginning, the Bible says that God said in verse 26 of Genesis 1, let us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, make man in our own being. Let's make these human beings in our image to be like us to be like us. Let's, let's make man in our own image. And then he said, according to our likeness, let's supernaturally endow them. And I just want to remind you today that you are God's son and you're God's daughter. And it doesn't matter what's going on in your life right now, that, that God, that never changes. God cares about what's going on in your life, but you're his son and you're his daughter. And he has given you his super in your natural situation to move your life forward forever. Look at somebody and say, we're going forward forever. Come on, we're going forward forever. And, and an old friend of mine used to say it this way, when you have a setback, don't take a step back, get ready for your comeback. And so I just wanna speak that into your life. The Bible goes on to say in, in verse 28, that God blessed us and he blessed us to be fruitful. Say, I'm blessed to be fruitful. I'm blessed to multiply. I'm blessed to fill the earth with the gifts that God has given me. See, all the good things that God has given you, he expects you to fill that in the earth. Don't fill the earth with your anger. Don't fill the earth with your bitterness. Don't fill the earth with what's hurt you. Fill the earth with what God's given you. And then he said, I want you to govern it. I want you to have dominion. And I just want to remind you today, you are God's son. You are God's daughter. You're created in his image and you're supernaturally endowed like him in his likeness to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion. And I'm just here to tell you, I announced it on Wednesday night. By the way, let me just say something about our first fruit Wednesdays or family first Wednesdays or our first family Wednesdays. It's the first Wednesday of every month is that we gather together on the first Wednesday for communion, but also for a time of impartation. We dedicate babies during that time. We also, um, what else do we do? We baptize, if you need to be baptized or want to be baptized, that's when we baptize at our church. But this last Wednesday, I announced, and I'm saying it now to you and publicly, October, November, and December are gonna be the best months of this year for your life. Come on, would you just come into agreement with me? Just say, I agree, I agree. No matter what happened, January, February, March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November, and December are gonna be the best months of the year in Jesus' name, amen? Come on, it's our year of the supernatural. I said it's our year of the supernatural. That means God's gonna bring his super into our natural. So when I was really praying about this series, Unstoppable, because this is my life message. You're gonna hear some of you that have been around for a while, you're gonna hear some stories today that I've been telling for a long time around here just because I wanted to go back just a little bit. Uh, but I wanted to talk today about unstoppable you. Unstoppable you. What makes you unstoppable? If you're God's son, if you're God's daughter, if you've been given his power, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think according to the power that works within us. If we're his sons, if we're his daughters, if he's given us his power, 
then God wants us to be unstoppable in the earth. And when I thought about this, I started writing down a bunch of characteristics about what it is that makes us unstoppable and yet life hits us and struggles hit, hit us. Uh, I sent Josh uh, something I saw on Instagram this week. And uh, I said, this is kind of how I felt when I had my heart attack. Is that the, it shows a guy standing on a car with a basketball and, beh- and behind him is a basketball goal. And all of a sudden into the picture comes a guy running and he jumps, grabs the basketball from the guy, jumps over the guy and the car and he's heading towards the goal, but he just kind of slips and falls and just slams down on the concrete. He never makes it to the goal. I said, that's what I felt like. Sometimes that's how life feels. It's like that wasn't supposed to happen. That wasn't supposed to go that way. You know, I'm supposed to be able to get to my goal. I'm supposed to be able to have my dreams come true. And we, we think that, but yet we've all got struggles and we've got, all got things that we're dealing with and things that we're going, going through. And so I want to tell you, you're not just, you're not just going through it in the name of Jesus. You're growing through it and there's going to be a breakthrough on the other side in Jesus' name. So, so I just want to give you one thought today with a whole bunch of sub-thoughts. And that is if you're going to be unstoppable, the one characteristic that I want to emphasize today is you need to love well. You need to love well. Josh talks a lot about love, and that's because he's a great lover. And that's because when you've had the hell beat out of you, you can be a great lover. And so I feel like I've done a good job as a father. (laughs) He blames me for his love, and we'll talk about that in a moment. But I want to read a scripture. First Corinthians says it this way, pursue this love, pursue this love. You've got to pursue it. God respects people that pursue. He says, pursue love with eagerness, make it your goal. Yet earnestly desire and cultivate the spiritual gifts to be used by believers for the benefit of the church. Every gift that you have, God has given you. And he wants you to, to utilize that for the benefit of his kingdom, but especially that you may prophesy and foretell the future. So here's what I believe. When we pursue love, when we make love our greatest aim, our greatest goal, 1 Corinthians 14, 1, we make love our greatest goal, when we make that our greatest aim, God says, then all the gifts, all the good things that I've given you, watch this now, as you utilize those gifts for my glory, it will foretell your future. It will foretell your future. How do you know you're going to have a great future tomorrow? Love well today. Love well today. And I want to talk to you about that just for a few minutes. And again, this is a familiar story around here, but I was so excited when, uh, when we knew that Sheila was pregnant with, with Josh. And, uh, and we, we, I guess we didn't even know it was going to be a boy, right? We didn't know it was going to be a boy. Did they do sonograms back then? Seems so far back. Is there even technology available? There was no cell phone. Maybe sonogram hadn't happened yet. Anyway, I was, it seems like such a long, long time ago. But anyway, I remember when, when Josh was springing forth from his mother's womb. And I was in the birth room. And I was so excited. It's like, oh my goodness. I'm just crying. And in this moment, as I'm seeing this beautiful, gray, green, cone-headed, child come through the birth canal. When, they, when he came out and they held him up, 
I felt something I'd never felt before. And God said, do you see what you're feeling? I mean, it's like as clear as I've ever heard God. And out loud, I said, yes. He said, that's the way I feel about you every day. And I captured a moment and I captured a thought. And I captured what it meant to really, really love well in a moment, like to be in a moment. And, and I could feel this love that I had. And so I'm, I'm just kind of going there and talking to God. And it's been amazing, you know, that, that those things in our lives that happen to us, if we can seize the moments, both in the good times and the bad times, just to say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love well. I'm going to so oftentimes we can get focused on, on we want people to love us. You know, as I sent my prayer text to pastors all over the world this morning, uh, I do that. That's one of the, the, the things I do every Saturday night or early Sunday morning, and I send prayer text. And, and, uh, and I, I told Pastor Sheila this morning, after I did it, it takes me about an hour to do that. And uh, I said, after I did that, I said, you know what I've realized in my life? I don't send these prayer texts so I'll get a prayer back. I don't send these prayer texts because um, of really anything that it does for me. I send these prayer texts because I feel like I've got a role to love well, to just love. And see, sometimes our behavior in our marriage, sometimes our behavior with other people is we start we start having this thought process. Like, why am I doing this? I'm not getting anything back. And so sometimes when you love well, guess what? Because you're thinking about loving well, you may not get loved well back, but you're doing what you're supposed to do. You're loving well. And so first Peter says it this way, above all, everybody say above all. Above all, have fervent and unfailing love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. It overlooks unkindness and unselfishly seeks the best for others. Be hospitable to one another without complaint. Just as one of you has received a spiritual gift, a spiritual talent, an ability graciously given to you by God, employ it in serving one another as is appropriate for good stewards of God's multifaceted grace faithfully using the diverse and various gifts and abilities granted to us as Christians by God's unmerited favor. You know, I love, I have the privilege, I get a front row seat of watching Pastor Precious. I mean, I'm just telling you, she is an amazing lover. And this last week we had the privilege while Josh and, and um, C-Love, I call her C-Love, but Courtney is his wife, but we had the privilege of of watching Charlie, you know, our third uh, grandbaby. And, um, and it's mostly her, you know, she does all the work. And uh, I try to say, hey, is there anything I can help you with? But even if I tried to take Charlie, she would want what's, her name's Precious, but they all call her Peppas. They can't say Precious, so she's Peppas. And so even if I wanted to take her, she would want Peppas, then that would cause a whole nother thing. And it's really I've, I've, I've accepted that with all of my grandchildren and with everybody in the world that knows Sheila and I. They want Sheila and I just, hey, what can I do to make them want you more? Okay, so, so but I have, I have a front row seat to see how she loves and to see what she does. And it just so moves me. It really does. Just the way that she loves. She's a great lover. Thank you for being a great lover. And so anyway, last night, it was late. And I opened the, 
I opened the trash bin, and we have two, you know. I would not have two. Again, this is how she loves. She has one for the plastic stuff. I would never do that. And, uh, and she has one for the trash. I mean, it's hard for me to even know which one's plastic, which one's trash. I was just there. So it's like there's two of them. Anyway, so, in the, you know, when I grew up, we just had one trash can. We have two in our house, so that means there's two to take out. So anyway, both of them, both of them were, were, were brimming, and so... so Again, in my mind, I've thought, if I see the trash and it's full, like I'm going to carry out the trash. Well, as I, as I took the trash out, she goes, are those full? I go, yeah, they're full. That's why I'm taking them out. But in my mind, I was thinking, this is me loving you. Because I still don't like to take out the trash. Like I'm thinking, can I just throw it in there and maybe one more thing could fit in before it needs to be taken out. And maybe the next time she throws the trash in, she'll take it out. I know none of y'all think this way, but my thought process was, hey, the trash needs to be taken out. But, but seriously, I, I, the conscious thought was, hey, I'm doing this because I love you. Even though I didn't say that, like I'm doing this because I love you because I don't feel like doing it. It was very late. I don't feel like doing it, but that's like a way that I think I can love her, right? I mean, that's what I'm thinking in my mind. But, but guess what? If I attach her, my need from her for her to thank me for that, my love and well just went out the door. So why do we do what we do in our marriage? Do we do in our marriage so they'll notice us and, hey, here's what we do, and that loves us well? Or can you just love well and them not even notice or them even take it another level? Are those full? Like, why are you asking that question? Why did you ask that question? You thought we could put more in it. I was thinking, let's get rid of it. She's questioning me, taking out the trash. Are those full? Let's don't waste those plastic bags. We can probably stuff more in there. Anyway, this is real marriage stuff, okay? Y'all with me on this? Okay, so, but watch. If I attach what I do for her to what I get back from her, I'm not gonna carry out the trash. But you really hear what I'm saying. If any way that I could love her well is attached to what I get from her for loving her well, we're, we're not gonna have a good marriage. And we probably won't end up making it because I'll feel undervalued and underappreciated. Rather than me just choosing, I'm going to love her well. So, uh, so I, I went over to Josh's house. We went over to Josh's house the last night when they were coming home. Because, you know, Charlie wanted her to be able to sleep in her own bed. And then for, for them, to, when she woke up in the morning, for them to hear what I hear, if I ever go in and get Charlie in the morning, where's Peppas? <laughs> so y'all heard that, right? Like, where's mama? Where's Peppas? Where's mama? Was she talking about Courtney or was she talking about Peppas? She's talking about Courtney. She didn't want to see me either. So she didn't want to see you. She goes, where's mama? Well, anyway, so, 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 so I was over at Josh's house and I, I'm, we're just, hey, we're just, I'm just talking to you a little bit. That's what I'm doing. Just talk. Okay, good. Okay, so, so. So I'm just talking to y'all because y'all are my family, right? So I had to use the restroom. And so I used the last bit that was on the toilet paper. So that caused a little bit of an issue for those of us that use the last bit of the toilet paper. We now have an obligation if we're good people and we want to love well, not just to leave an empty roller. Can I get an amen? Can we just... Okay, so, so anyway, 
So I start looking for some toilet paper to replace, Michelle, the last of the toilet paper I used. There's no toilet paper in the bathroom. So I go to the other bathroom. There's no toilet paper in the bathroom. So I go tell Pastor Press, it's about 9.30. They're going to be home about 11. I said, I'm going to run up to the store and get him some toilet paper. Because you know what? In my mind, I'm thinking, this is like, this is the loving well. They need toilet paper. So I go, Kroger, and Josh, I have to be honest with you. Normally, we buy Charmin. I used to buy Charmin with the aloe vera. I don't know why they stopped selling. I don't know if somebody got chapped. I don't know what happened. <laughs> but I loved Charmin aloe vera toilet paper. Is anybody with me on this? Kleenex still has the aloe vera on the Kleenex, but they, didn't ha- they don't have that anymore. They've got the ultra soft. But it was $8.19 for six rolls. I happened to see Cottonelle, which is probably a lesser brand. It was six something, $2 off with Kroger. And I, I, I got you that. I, I got you that. So, but, but, I, but I got six for one restroom, six for the other restroom. So, so anyway, so Josh comes home, Alec. Josh comes home and I said, hey son, just want you to know, I used the last year toilet paper. I said, but I went to the store and I got you some more. And so here's what Josh says. Oh, we had toilet paper. I go, where's your toilet paper? In the pantry. (laughs) Why? Would you put toilet paper in the pantry? (laughs) Alonzo, if I run out of toilet paper, my pants are down. I'm like, look, I'm like, where's it? Oh, we keep it in the pantry. Okay. Going, what? Okay. If you keep your toilet paper in the pantry, I just want to encourage you, go ahead and move it to the restroom in case I ever have to come to your house and use your restroom. Otherwise, that would be loving me well, son. Just keep a roll in there for me, but you go out to the pantry to get your toilet paper. It's like, it like reminds me, this is real marriage stuff, right? Like, like, what kind of family were you raised in? Where did you keep your toilet paper? But, but Pastor Sheila, here's the thing. We first got married. We didn't have towels in our bathrooms. And it was just kind of a shock to me. I go, like, like when I take a shower, I like to like reach for a towel. She says, oh, they're out in the hall closet. <laughs> okay, so I just want y'all to know in our house now, I have towels in my bathroom because that's what I need. I've got toilet paper in the bathroom because that's what I need. But watch this. I'm not going to love well if I expect everybody to meet my need. I know those are silly little things, but I'm telling you, 
That's what happens to us at work. That's what happens to us in relationships. We think, like, why is it that way? Why do they do that? Why can't they just do that? And pretty soon, we've got issues because we don't feel like we're being loved well. So what makes you unstoppable is not that somebody ever loved you well. What makes you unstoppable is that you love well. That you love well. So, again, I've shared this story before, but... It's family time, and I'm just talking to you. And so uh, about 10 years ago, we did a, a um, men's conference in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and great, wonderful church. Rob Ketterling, he's one of the pastors I text on Saturday nights, early Sunday mornings, and pray for him, pray for his church. We did their first men's conference ever. We had about 100 of our mighty men that went with me. And... Uh, on Friday night, I just kind of threw this out. I said, hey, I've got an assignment that I want you to, to do. And I've only done this about two other times. But I said, I want you to, your takeaway from tonight, Friday night, is I want you to go home and I want you to ask your wife this question. Do you feel deeply loved by me? Do you feel deeply loved by me? And there was kind of, you could hear a little bit of laughter. And I said, no, 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 listen, I'm really serious. Like, I want you to go home and I don't want you to, I don't want you to say this. Hey, you know I love you, right? Because that's how men are. Like, you know I love you. Like I told you last week. Like, you know I love you. But, but I said, I want you to look your wife in the eyes. I want you to say, do you feel deeply loved by me? So Saturday morning, a guy walks up to me, guy about 65 years of age. And 10 years ago, I was only 49. And so he walks up to me as an older man. And he's just crying. He said, I want you to know I'm an elder in this church and been going here forever. And, uh, you know, honestly, I knew the answer to the question. Like, I knew the answer to the question. I was going to ask my wife if she felt deeply loved by me. Of course she feels deeply loved by me. I'm a man of God. I mean, we have a great marriage. We're Christians, right? We have a good marriage. We're Christians. And we both believe the same things. And, you know, he's just crying. He said, so I was crawling in bed. She was already in bed under the covers. And I said, Hey, babe, I want to ask you a question. Um, uh, Pastor Keith gave us an assignment, uh, and here's the question. Do you feel deeply loved by me? And he said, I crawled in bed. I was getting ready to pull the covers over, over me, and he said, all of a sudden, there was silence, and I knew I was in trouble. And she raised up, and she said, do you want me to answer that question honestly? And he said, of course. She said, I not only do not feel deeply loved by you, but I don't even like you. <laughs> he's just bawling when he's telling me this. He gets up, walks around her side of the bed, kneels down. And then he told me, I watched the sun come up this morning on my knees as my wife began to pour her heart out and not just explain to me why she didn't feel deeply loved, but she explained to me what I could do and how I could be to make her feel deeply loved. And he said, as I watched the sun come up on my knees with my wife's hands in my hands and we prayed together and I asked her to please have mercy on me, please forgive me. I wanna be the husband that God wants me to be. I want you to feel loved well by me. He said, I got up and now he's boohooing. He said, for the first time in 25 years, I did not have back pain. 
He said, I've had back surgeries. I've had chronic issues with my back. And he said, when I got up, I had no back pain. He came to our church that same year and shared that testimony to our church. How when he decided to love well, God healed what he needed to have healed in his life. Why am I talking to you about this? Because this has got to be our greatest pursuit. By default, our greatest pursuit is I want you to love me better. By default, I want my boss to care about me. By default, I I want everybody to know what my needs are. But if you're going to be unstoppable, anybody here want to be unstoppable? It's not going to be because of how somebody makes you feel, but because you decide to love well. You decide to love well. What is it that keeps us from loving well? And I just want to give you two things and we're through. Here's the first thing. This is the biggest thing. This keeps us from loving well and it's insecurity. How can I love you well if I feel insecure about me? Go back to what I said when we first started this. You're God's son. You're God's daughter. He's empowered you to be like him. And yet most of us here on some level struggle with some type of insecurity. And then we, we really connect and we bond with people who have similar insecurities to us. And somebody that doesn't have the same kind of insecurity, we have a tendency to judge them as maybe arrogant or they think they're all that. And not because of necessarily the way they're acting, but because of the way we see ourselves. You see, our insecurity will keep us from loving well. So here's what... Paul said to Timothy, Paul had been in ministry now for 32 years. He was two months away from being executed by Nero. And some of his last words to Timothy and to the church were this, for God has not given you a spirit of timidity or cowardness or fear, but he has given to us the spirit of power, a spirit of love, a spirit of of sound judgment and personal discipline and ability to be unstoppable because we have an unstoppable spirit because we are God's sons and we are God's daughters. And yet the enemy of our soul knows that by default, we're more fearful than we are faithful. We're more weak than we are strong. That's why we need God. Come on, y'all. That's why we need God. That he knows if he can get us to focus on the struggle and focus on what's, what we're going through, that we'll never get through it. I've always said this, when you grow through what you go through, you create a breakthrough. How do you become unstoppable? Hey, it's you grow through this. You decide, you know what, I'm going to grow through this thing I'm going through. I'm going through it right now. It's a real thing. I, I've shared in the last few weeks, you guys, my, my own personal struggles. I've shared this again, just bear with me if you've been with us for a long time, but I wanted to share this story about Josh when he was six years old. We were in Canada, Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. At that time, had the largest mall in the world. And uh, they had a water park inside the mall. They had an amusement park inside this mall. It was crazy. And I was there to minister, but we were staying in this hotel. and, And inside the mall, they actually had submarines. And they had an underwater system with all kind of fish from the seas and, 
and, and a saltwater thing, and you would go underneath in, in these small submarines, and you could go underneath the mall, in, and yet you would come out in the mall. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. And so we're up on the third tier, and I said, hey, son, you want to go ride in a submarine? He goes, yes, sir. So we go down. We're standing there in the line, and all of a sudden, I see his little leg like this, and I hear this, fear not. For I'm with you, fear not. I'm just looking at him and thinking, oh, that's sweet. For I'm with you, fear not. For I'm with you, says the Lord. So I go, hey, what's going on? He didn't acknowledge me. He goes, fear not. For I'm with you, fear not. For I'm with you, fear not. For I'm with you, says the Lord. Then all of a sudden, out of his little body, Josh was always quiet, but he wasn't quiet. All of a sudden, he went, fear not. For I'm with you, fear not. For I'm with you, fear not. For I'm with you, says the Lord. And he goes, okay, I'm not afraid anymore. I'm ready to go in the submarine. I didn't even know what he was dealing with. But guess what he did? He faced his fear. Fear not, for I am with you, says the Lord. Somebody needs this today. Fear not. Don't let your fear keep you from loving well. What if they don't love me back? Then they don't love you back. You love well. Saul, the great prophet, God gave him an assignment. He said, I want you to go anoint a man by the name of Saul, and you'll see him. And when you see him, you're going to know he's the one. And I want you to anoint him as king over my people. The Bible says that when Samuel saw him, he was head and shoulders taller than everybody. He was looking for his father's donkeys. That's a whole other story. When you don't know who you are and you're in your insecurity and you're in fear, you're going to be looking for donkeys your whole life. When Samuel said, God wants you to be his king of his people, Saul said, but I'm, I'm only from the tribe of Benjamin. That sounds humble, doesn't it? I'm from the smallest tribe of Israel. My family is the least important families of all the tribes. Sounds humble, doesn't it? Insecurity sounds humble. Like I'm, I'm really nothing. And then he says this to the prophet, why are you talking to me like this? Then Samuel brought Saul and his servant to the hall and placed them at the head of the table and honored them above all the other guests. And Samuel's just like, wow, this is, this is amazing. You know, I don't deserve this. And it seems also humble, but it was insecure. See, it's one thing to choose to give up your right to be right and to humble yourself. It's another thing to feel like you don't deserve God's best for your life. It's another thing to think you can't have a great marriage. It's another thing to think that you can't be everything that God created you to be. You see, it's one thing to humble yourself and say, God, I humble myself underneath your mighty hand. And God says he will exalt you and he will give you his power and his grace. But it's another thing to walk feeling like you don't deserve, you're not worthy. And that's the side of not humility, but that's the side of insecurity that the enemy wants to get you on and keep you on. So the first thing that keeps us from loving well is insecurity. Here's the last thing. 
This is huge. The last thing is blame. Blame. So now Samuel is king. He's king, man. He's rolling. He's, he's king, right? Even though at first it seemed like he was so humble. Well, I don't deserve this. I'm, I'm from the least of the tribes. And man, why, why are you talking to me like this? And, you know, why are you putting that crown on my head? It all seemed so humble, but it was insecure because he wasn't stepping into who God called him to be. You see, you got to step into being a daughter of God. you got to step into being a son of God. You've got to step up to what God's called you from and not stay stuck in what you were born into. And so, so that's what happened. It's like, it's like he gets crowned. He's, he's king now. He's king, y'all. He's king. And look what he says. All of you have conspired against me. There's no one who reveals to me that my son has made a covenant with the son of Jesse. His son, Jonathan and David were, were best friends. There is not one of you who is sorry for me. I know there's nobody in here that's ever wished somebody would feel sorry for them. Can I tell you a weird story? This is a weird story. When I was in the seventh grade, I thought if I could break my arm and wear a cast, everybody feels sorry for me. And you know why I started thinking like that? Because there was a guy named Ivy Gooch. He might even be watching. <laughs> I was always the fastest kid, Garrett. I was always the fastest. In the seventh grade, Ivy Gooch broke his arm, and I promise you, with the power of a casket. <laughs> He, was, he kept throwing, I'm watching him pass me. And he's throwing his casket out in front of him. I'm thinking, that's what I need, cast. Thank you very much. His cast. He was throwing his cast out in front. I'm thinking, he's beating me because of his cast. If I could break my arm, I could run faster. People would feel sorry for me and they would want to sign my cast. <laughs> Has there been anybody that's ever thought that stupid? Oh, I thought it was just me. Okay, I thought. Listen to this. What is it in us, listen to me, that we want to feel sorry? We want people to feel sorry for us. What is that? It's like something bad happens. We want people to feel bad for us. We really don't, but we do. You say, well, it, because it makes me feel loved when people feel bad for me when something bad has happened. Here's, here's what I'll tell you. Whether somebody ever feels sorry for you or not, God is very acquainted with your sorrows and everything that you go through. And he says, if you'll cast that upon me, I will care for you. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Nobody, not even your spouse, not your kids, not your parents, nobody can carry the burden that you have. You have to be the one that says, Lord, I give you this burden. I give you this struggle. I cast my care upon you. And yet there's something that feeds all of us for somebody to, to almost, here's what he says. He's, 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 he's the king. Nobody feels sorry for me. So what keeps us from loving well, two things, is our own insecurity and blame. This last week, you saw it, I saw it, it happened in our city. As I watched with horror in the midst of the horror, 
I saw the most incredible act of loving well that I've ever seen in my life on display to the whole world that has now come to the critics from the Washington Post all across the world of people saying, why would this guy do this? Say twice or for the hundredth time what you've or how much you've taken from us. I think you know that. But I just, I hope you go to God with all what, all the guilt, all the things, the bad things you may have done in the past, each and every one of us may have done something that we're not supposed to do. If you truly are sorry, I know, I can speak for myself, I, I forgive you. And I know if you go to God and ask him, he will forgive you. And I don't think anyone could say it. Again, I'm speaking for myself, not even bad for my family. But I love you just like anyone else. And I'm not gonna say I hope you rot and die just like my brother did, but I, see, I, I personally want the best for you. And I, I wasn't gonna ever say this in front of my family or anyone, but I don't even want you to go to jail. I want the best for you. Because I know that's, what, that's exactly what both of them would want you to do. And the best would be give your life to Christ. I'm not going to say anything else. I think giving your life to Christ would be the best thing that both of them would want you to do. Again, I love you as a person. And I don't wish anything bad on you. I don't know if this is possible, but can can I give her a hug, please? Please? Yes. So you can, you know, you can, we can talk about love we can talk about loving well. And then all of a sudden there's this brother of a guy that's murdered. That in the midst of the anger, in the midst of the injustice, in the midst of all the stuff, he says, I don't even speak for my family. I, his family is probably mad at him. 
His mother would later just say how proud she was of him, but it's like easy to love well when people love you. But when people take something from you that you love, when people spread hate, whatever it is, like I watched this and I thought, God, I want to be, I like, I want to be a better man. I want to be better. I want to, I want to love more. I want that kind of heart. I want that kind of heart because that's the heart of God. That's the heart of Christ. That's, that's what the world desperately needs right now. That's what the world needs. And he's called us to be that to the world. I tweeted or, or Instagram this week, Brant Jean, that's his name, Brant. I said, I don't know you, but that was the, in, in modern history, at least for me, that's the greatest act of love I've ever seen in my, with my own eyes. That I saw it, like I saw it. You notice nobody in the court said, hey, we don't talk about God here. <laughs> wow, blame. A few years ago, I came across this. All pain that we have, especially ongoing pain, comes from a story that's selfishly viewed. Because what happens is stories are so powerful. So when something happens to us, we like tell ourselves stories over and over in our head. And and if you're in pain years later, let me just say this to you, it's because you stayed selfish. Because it's like, this happened to me, it shouldn't have happened to me. I'm like, and though it's real, that, I mean, to hear this, this is a case study on loving well. For him to say, I don't speak for my family. You don't have to speak for your family. You don't have to speak for your people. You don't have to speak for anybody. You can speak for yourself to say, I say, I love you like I would love anybody else. I say, I don't want anything bad to you. And I say, if it was up to me, you wouldn't even go to prison. That when Jesus hung on the cross and he said, forgive them for they know not what they do. That's exactly the kind of love that he displayed for all of us. And you know what was amazing to me? And maybe you caught it and maybe you didn't. But here's what was amazing to me. This guy, I don't know what God's gonna do with his life, but it's gonna be amazing. Here's what he said. He said, I'm not gonna focus on what you took from us. I think you already know that, and people do. He said, I think the best thing you could do is give your life to Christ. But then, then but this is how he said it. We have all done things. That's not the seat most people are sitting in when they've been wronged. In other words, they can't love because of what somebody did to them. We've done all, th all of us have done stuff that we should. That's, that's like, that's mercy. How many of y'all done some not so good stuff in your life? How many of y'all need mercy? <sighs> okay. I'm going to end this way. I wrote this a few years ago. Don't blame them for hurting you. Blame them for making you want to help others who've been hurt like you. 
See, when something bad happens to you, you can just say, this happened to me, it shouldn't have happened, it's unfair, never thought it would have happened, on and on, all those things that we say when stuff happens, whether it's stuff that just happens in life or whether it's some kind of struggle that somebody else caused us. But when I wrote this, it was really revelation for me. Don't blame people for hurting you. Blame them for making you want to help others who've been hurt like you. So here's the thought behind that quote. The first sin was Eve listening to the wrong voice, the serpent's voice and not God's voice. The second sin was she saw that, that, it, was, that, that it was good for food and she ate it. The third sin was Adam's passivity. But the fourth sin was Adam blaming God for giving him the woman and then Adam blaming Eve because she gave it to him. This shows you what our natural tendency is. So I don't want to go into, there, the, the notes for this will be, in fact, the notes, I didn't put, give, give you paper notes on purpose because I just wanted to talk to you for a few minutes, but the notes for this are available. You can go back. I want you to read through some of this stuff, especially the blame stuff. But here's what I've decided in my own life. This is for me, and I just want to, I wrote this out, and I shared this at our church a few years ago about my own journey in blame. Because blame will stop you from loving well. I blame my parents for taking me to church and giving me a chance to know God for myself. I could have blamed them for getting separated, I could have blamed them for a lot of things, but I chose to blame them for taking me to church to give me a chance to know God. The greatest thing you can do, and I know I'm speaking to the choir because y'all are here, and maybe to the 10,000 plus people maybe that are watching on, on the internet. The, the bottom line is, is that what's great about coming to church, I wanna say this to you if you have kids, you have no idea what your kids are gonna face in the future. You have no idea. So when you bring them to the house of God, they can get taught that when they go through their own struggles, that there, there is hope and there is help and there is love. That's why we come to church. I blame my family of origin for giving me a revelation of the power of family of choice. Why? Because I didn't feel accepted all the time in my family. I don't know if your family was perfect, but mine wasn't. So I blame, I've decided to blame my family of origin for giving me the revelation of family of choice. I blame my dad for everything that he was and everything that he wasn't for giving me the passion to be a great husband, father, and friend. There's a lot I could say about that. But I've just decided to blame him for everything that he was and everything he wasn't for giving me the passion to be a great husband, a great father, and a great friend. I blame the emotional abuse I experienced as a child. And I did. And it was a lot. And it was just words and even some physical stuff. I blame the emotional abuse I experienced as a child for a desire to be emotionally healthy and to be an energy producer in every area or every life that I touch. I blame my mamaw for showing me the kind of woman I wanted to marry. If it wasn't for her, I wouldn't have looked for Sheila. So mamaw, Sheila's your fault. <laughs> like I blame her. I blame the negative spirits that I grew up around for my positive outlook on life. I don't know about you, 
But I'm just telling you, around our table, there was not positive talk. In our home, there was not positive talk. In my school, there was not positive talk. In the church I grew up in, there was not positive talk. But here's the bottom line. I blame the negative spirits that I grew up all around me for giving me a perspective on being positive and having a positive outlook on life. I blame we can't afford that mentality for the generosity mentality that I've chosen to embrace. My children are sitting on the front row. And again, I'm not saying this to pat myself on the back, but they never heard me say, I don't think that we can't afford that. I, don't, I, did, I did not want to raise them with we can't afford that. Most of you heard that growing up. We can't afford that. You know what that is? That's a poverty mentality. Some of you don't even know you grew up in it. You grew up in a poverty mentality with people that were older than you and that should have known better, but they didn't because they weren't taught that it's not about not being able to afford that. It's about deciding what you want to spend your money on. And that's how you teach your children. You don't ever tell them, you can if you want to. If you want to raise a child where no amount of money is ever enough. You can tell them we can't afford that and you'll, 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 you'll inspire a poverty mentality in them or you can shift it just a little bit and say, you know what, we could do that, but we're choosing to do this with our money right now and teach them values. It's so important. <clears throat> I blame the unfair treatment I received in college as an athlete and I did for a paradigm that I have in wanting to help everyone who's in my sphere for their dreams to come true. I blame the people in my life, past, present, and future who have not forgiven me and who will not forgive me. How many of you got people that they just won't forgive you? Let me just see your hands. If you hadn't experienced that yet, you're going to. There'll be people who just decide they're not gonna forgive you. I, 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 I would like to have everybody's forgiveness, but I'm not gonna have, I've got his forgiveness and I blame the people who won't forgive me, who could forgive me, who have not forgiven me, who will never forgive me for whatever I've done for them for making me wanna be a great lover and a great forgiver and a great apologizer. I blame them for that. I blame the people who've been hateful in my life for making me want to be a better lover. I don't know about you, but I've had some hateful people. Sometimes the people that are supposed to love me the most. I blame a lack of mercy I received from others for making me want to give mercy to everybody that needs it. By the way, if you need mercy, I'm your guy. I would be a great priest. <laughs> Tell me your sins. Yes, yes, yes. That's horrible. Sorry that, that happened. Are you sorry for your sins? Yes. I know you can't see me because we're in this uh, confessional, but... Be absolved in the name of Jesus, not because I'm absolving you, but because God has absolved you in Jesus' name. So now let me turn to you. I'm, I'm, I'm in front of you. This is the confessional booth. It doesn't matter what you did. Everybody raise up your hands in the name of Jesus. If you'll come to God and if you'll say, God, I don't want to keep sinning. I don't want to keep missing the mark. Guess what? You're absolved from your sins in the name of Jesus. You're forgiven. You're not a bad person. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. God doesn't judge you for even how you're living in this moment. You're his son, you're his daughter. And here's what he says for you. I've opened my heaven over your life. I sent my son Jesus because you need his blood to forgive you and to cleanse you and to wash you. And I'm happy to tell you that this is a family of choice where we give second chances and third chances and fourth chances and God's mercy endures forever. Welcome to Elevate Life Church in the name of Jesus.
Why don't you just look at somebody and say, I need mercy. Come on, just, just admit it. So if you need it, you better give it. When you're out driving and somebody's trying to cut in front of you, give them mercy. Don't give them the one-way sign. That's what the world does. Because they feel cheated and everybody's trying to take advantage of them. You have the power. Somebody's trying to get over, just respect the fact that they didn't wait in the line and they moved up. Okay. I blame Sheila for all the ways that she's made me feel, good and bad. She's made me feel very bad sometimes. I blame her for making me want to be a better man. Like I love her, I married her. If there's one person that ought to be able to tell me the truth, it's her. And if my breath stinks, I'm not gonna go, I can't believe you told me that, that hurts my feelings. I'm going to say, give me some freaking gum right now. I blame my children, two of them are here, for helping me believe that how I live my life matters and will determine the legacy that I leave. I blame them for teaching me persistence. Thank you so much. To keep doing what I know to do, even when doing what I know to do doesn't seem to be getting any results. I blame them for the tension I feel every day to be the best version of me that I can. I blame every person, this is the big one, who has not lived up to my expectations for helping me to deal with the unrealistic self and yet press towards being my ideal self that God wants me to be. Just because you're going this direction doesn't mean anybody else cares or anybody else wants it. You got to want it for yourself and don't project your unrealistic expectations that you have on yourself on other people or you will not love them well. Really hear that. I blame pastors and churches that I traveled all over the country to before I started pastoring. I traveled all over America for helping me to clarify the need to build a core values-based church with a love-based leadership culture, a church where people don't just come to church to come to church, but they're transformed by the word of God. They learn to live with a biblical worldview, a church where people think kingdom first, they're powerful, they do the glory of God because they know they have a fingerprint that nobody else has to leave an imprint that nobody else can leave, a church where people become servant leaders because they want to be God's heart, his hands and his feet in the earth. That's why we started this church because I traveled and saw all the other churches that I traveled in and I said, God, let's have one like this. Let's have a church like this because there's a group of people who will want to be your hands and your heart and your feet to the world. <clears throat> and finally, I blame you. You came in here today, you didn't know you're gonna be blamed. But I blame you in this family all your ups and downs, some of you, all your ins and outs, all your problems and pains, all your financial struggles, all your marital issues, some of you over and over and over and over, all your family dynamics, all of your business challenges. What in the world? Get on with it. I blame you for driving my face to the ground and crying out to God for help because I know I can't fix it. 
and I blame you for letting me know that only God can help us all and that we are in desperate need for his help in every area of our life. Thank you for driving my face to the ground. Let me pray for you. Stand up. Don't, don't leave just this second. We're about to be through, but don't leave because God's going to do something here in a minute. Just wait. Just every head's bowed, every eye's closed. If you're here, I want to tell you, you're unstoppable. Let that go into your spirit, from my mouth, into your ear, into your heart. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. I want you to say this out loud to yourself. Put your hand over your heart. Say, I am unstoppable. Now I want you to pray this prayer with me. Say, God, help me to love well. Now with your head bowed, your hand still on your heart, if you're here and you would say, Keith, my life is not right with God, I'm gonna tell you something. It's very difficult for you to love well if you're not like Brant Jean. The only way he could sit in front of a courtroom that was being broadcast to the world and say, I don't want bad for you, I want good. I wish you didn't go to jail. I love you. I don't want bad things to happen to you because you've made this bad thing happen in our family. The only way he could sit and say to the world now, what you need is God. And what you need is God's mercy. The only way he could do that is because he had given his life to Christ. And if you're here and you say, my life is not right with God, I'm gonna tell you something. Today's the day. What day? It's the day to say, I want God to love me well. Because when you realize how much God loves you and you give him your life, he empowers you as his son and as his daughter to love well in life. And if you love well, you will have a great future. I said, if you love well, you will have a great future. I want to say it one more time. If you love well, you will have a great future. Everybody here wants a great future. It's not going to be about whether you get cancer or not. It's not going to be about whether more good things happen than bad things. It's not going to be if the struggle goes away. If you love well, you're going to have a great future. It doesn't matter what the diagnosis is. It doesn't matter what people walk in and out of your life. If you love well, you're going to have a great future in the name of Jesus. And the only way you can love well is to be loved well by God. And if you say, I'm not right with God, would you let God love you today? Would you let God forgive you today? Would you let God wash you today? Would you let God give you his mercy today? Not his judgment, but just his mercy today. Would you receive his love into your your heart so that you can have a great future, so that you can love well, so that you can have an unstoppable spirit. The Bible says the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead will dwell in you. If death couldn't stop him, nothing can stop you. So if you're here with your hand on your heart and with the sincerity in your heart, Take your other hand right now. And if you say, I'm not where I need to be with God, I'm gonna count to three and I want you to lift up that hand. I'm gonna lead you in a prayer and everything changes for the better today in the name of Jesus. And if you're here and you say, I'm not right with God, but I wanna receive his love. I want God to love me well. I need his mercy in my life. I need his forgiveness in my life. I need his truth in my life. If that's you on the count of three, slip up your hand. One, two, three. Come on, all over this place, just lift up that other hand. Keep the one hand on your heart. Keep your hand up just for a second. I want to get my life right. Now you can put your hands down. Now if you would just for me, put both hands on your heart. 
and pray this prayer. Say it with me out loud. Say, dear heavenly father, thank you for your love. Thank you for loving me well, even at times when I didn't know it. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on a cross for my sins. And now, Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. I receive your love. I receive your acceptance. I receive your forgiveness. Now help me love well so I can live well. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to our channel on iTunes and YouTube. That way, you know when a new sermon has been uploaded. Also, if this message has impacted you and you want to contribute to help us reach more people, feel free to go to elevate.life forward slash give. We look forward to seeing you here next time.